0: This episode of Motherfucklore is brought to you by the show's generous supporters on Patreon. Supporters like Amanda Gray and Eilish Ngei. Garamila Morgav, Amanda Agus Ailish. Since the pandemic, we haven't been able to get to the uh, Headstuff Recording Studio, so the support of Patreons has allowed us to get the equipment we need to make a show of the standard you deserve. People who support the show on Patreon get a range of benefits. Check out patreon.com forward slash for more. And now, The show. stuff from the head stuff podcast network welcome to mother folklore a podcast of words irish irish words words from arland and Piuminance. i'm dark o'shane
1: and i'm Pádraig o'quivonic and would it be penumina uh, in the way that phenomenon uh, is phenomena
0: i don't go in for that kind of malarkey like i think <laughs> i I'm, I'm, I'm a i'm a referendums rather than a referenda person
1: I got a piece of advice once because i used to when i was when i was journalisting um which uh, which i've just turned into a verb there uh, when i was uh, stringing as a journalist i used referenda uh, and i was told um if you're not speaking friggin latin it's referendums
0: <laughs> yeah I think so. I mean it's 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 different with with like octopus and stuff like that, but like a referendum, you know, just, oh, just what's near.
1: different what's different about octopus? They're octopuses. Octopi. No, it's octopuses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking of sea creatures. Mysterious, ah. playful sea creatures.
1: Intelligent sea creatures.
0: Intelligent sea creatures. Um it's been a uh it started off maybe as a week as, as it sounded like just kind of a a wacky filler story but now in the days since it, I think people that the depth of feeling has been more apparent to that Dingle and Kerry in general, Dingle in particular, their relationship with their favourite um, aquatic son is, <laughs> their favourite aquatic son has been, uh, has reached a dark place because the search has been called off as of Wednesday, the search has been called off for Fungi or fungi, depending on which side of the peninsula you're on. What?
1: Oh, is that it's that's a peninsular thing now, is it? Fungi. I think I it's mean, a peninsular thing. You worked in you worked in Dingle, didn't you?
0: Yes. I spent I spent a part of every summer from my throughout my childhood in Dingle and I got one of my first jobs ever was in a restaurant in Dingle that was as a waiter, a barman, and a kitchen porter for a while. In a restaurant that I don't think is currently exists anymore.
1: And tell me, but tell me, Derek, did the, did the restaurant have big windows?
0: No, it had hardly any windows at all. The windows are dark and small.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> well, they still they still saw you coming, Fungi. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way, no way you heard that down in Dingle. There's no way. I heard way. It in Dingle. Ah, go way out of that. It's not people... fungi, It's fungi. See.
0: I think that's, it's possible, you know, it's one of these things, you know, how people talk about pronunciation of, of stuff like that, but it's, um, yeah, fungi is what people were calling the dolphin at the time, because I remember some people calling, when well, some Americans were saying fungi, and people there were sniggering at them for getting it wrong, but, but it's possible, you know, that everyone gets it wrong.
1: No, look, the, 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 the etymology of the name is fairly well known. There was a fisherman who had a great relationship with the dolphin. The dolphin was very close to him, would go to his boat and uh, he'd throw fish to the dolphin when the dolphin was first discovered. And this fisherman's nickname, because of his abortive attempt to grow a beard, was Fungus. So the first name the dolphin was known by was Fungus's Dolphin. And if you want to contract that, it's Fungi. Because it's not fungus' dolphin, and it was never fungus, so it's not fungi. fungi is this Is this like gif and gif all over again? I, now that's different
0: <laughs> that <laughs> because is, the G the G in gif stands for graphic, doesn't it?
1: It does yeah, well, I've always said gif. Now the person who invented gifs insists that they're pronounced gifs, but that's well, like, just weird. I mean,
0: yeah, like, wh- why does he think that? Does, did a boy in fifth year tell him that?
1: <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, like, if you, you, don't, just say, if you don't call it Jif, your teeth will fall out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So it, it, it is a real bang of a boy in fifth year telling you things. Whereas I think, yes, it, either way, the dolphin and on Sean McEntee's very moving only maritime matter of time before he wins an award for a very moving and uh, report on the Dolphin there was an interview with an old um, lighthouse keeper uh, who had beautiful a beautiful turn of phrase Can go where he lay. There's no one going to say to him where did you come from where are you bound for yeah. The ocean way hmm. Sean McAteague RTE News Dingle he kept referring to it as the dolphin or that dolphin and which I thought was quite interesting he he, maybe he, he wasn't participating in the in the naming
1: what I mean yeah because the dolphin didn't choose the name so I mean it's only no. fair <laughs> to respect the dolphin's wishes in this regards but uh, yeah uh, look Fungi is uh incredibly, incredibly well thought of down there and like I went down to to Dingle a couple of years ago on holiday uh, with my wife and we decided to be good tourists and take the the Fungi boat tour and um, I was very cynical, like I thought "Ah, look at us like a pair of Egypts coming down from Dublin and doing the tour but it was magical, it was brilliant he came right up to the boat and he's so friendly and he's so lovely and uh, honestly, now it was it was a life changing experience. I can see why they built a statue of him. It was it was absolutely lovely. Like everyone has an inner child, and this just brought it to the fore. It was just a lovely, lovely, lovely day. And of course, like like Dingle Bay, like the whole area, like and Dungen uh, and the whole of Kerkarina is just it's heaven on earth. And really to be is. down there, uh, to be down there, and to have a feckin' dolphin uh, coming up and playing with you. It's, it's class. It's unreal. So I hope he, I hope he's just sick of the COVID and just um, cocooning or something and, and comes back in time for the, the tourist season next year. So fingers crossed.
0: I, I hope so too. I think when, one of the things that the lighthouse keeper said was, you know, no one's going to ask that dolphin where, where he came from or where he's going. He has the ocean wide. And it was just a beautiful phrase for this I guess that the dolphin being free but what was very what struck me was initially I was a cynic and I thought that there's a, a shoal of dolphins there and they call whichever one turns up fungi but there's actually is a tradition or there, there's a phenomenon in dolphin in the dolphin world of of solitary dolphins going becoming hermetic and actually being being closer to humans and being only able to interact in the context of playing and yeah, but effectively they can they can be friendly as as long as they're allowed to perform, but they have a harder time forming relationships with their dolphins.
1: Yeah, I'm led to believe now, and I, I'm no um um that and somebody's gonna correct my pronunciation of that one. I'm no expert on cetaceans. Um but uh yeah, I, I believe that dolphins are assholes. Um yeah. So it's entirely plausible that some dolphins prefer people. I mean, people are arseholes too, but I think dolphins are real arseholes. So some mm. dolphins prefer people to other dolphins, and, and sure, that's great. Well, they stick. We're like their dogs.
0: <laughs> you are like. You, you, yeah. You've got all these dolphin memes when they go humano. You know, look at my chunky human. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a You're lot a of chunky humans on the boat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, well. It's um, it's it's a thing with that. This, sometimes when when stories from Kerry do come along, um, it's what's very I guess troubling as a person of um, with as the son of a Kerry man to see the way a Dublin-based media can really other Kerry and other parts of the west of Ireland. They can kind of talk about the I guess Kerry as a community as as if they're not reading, watching these television shows, listening to these radio stations, reading these newspapers. And it's, I think Kerry people probably find it very frustrating to be talked about, as if they're not in the room. Often when, with things like certain Kerry political dynasties or other Kerry traditions, they are talked about the way um, Prince Philip might talk about a, a, a
1: Polynesian island that technically recognises the Queen. So how did how did Kerry people become the butt of the jokes? Like how, how did they become the like the how did they become the people that the Irish punched down, having been punched down in jokes around the world? Because like I am also descended from, from Kerry stock. My great grandfather um, walked from Kerry to to Wexford. Uh, to take up a teaching position, so I'm, I'm one of the Moynihan's Kerry on one side of the family, so and I still mm-hmm. have family down there, um, out on Corkerina, and I'm very very proud of my Kerry roots. But like, how did uh, how did we end up with with Kerry man jokes of all it's, places?
0: It's a funny one because you think, then why don't we have like Clare man jokes or Waterford man jokes, and why do Kerry people get singled out? And I think part of it is that Kerry was always kind of I was a and certainly, the south, the, the kind of the southwest of Ireland, was kind of a was a playground for the rich, and that what well, was a playground for the rich in terms of you had kind of uh, you had kind of a lot of horse riding and hunting and these sorts of situations. And Kerry people maybe were early adapters to the Irish tourism business It started there. And a lot of that was involved a certain amount of ingratiating behaviour and and that, that that kind of craftiness. And so it's I think possibly that maybe. Kerry people were the first to play up this all Irish thing um, to to a kind of buying audience. And I wonder if, how much of that is a part of it. But I do know that Kerry people, when they actually do go to Dublin or anywhere else, they seem to, uh, they've risen to the top of every sector in, in <laughs> t- Dublin in they're, Irish they're <laughs> it's, and Irish life. They're taken over. And it is a parallel between... Uh, the the Scottish paradox is what something they like um, someone was saying there's there are so few uh, top European clubs that have had like an English manager, but so many have had a Scottish manager. Uh, mm-hmm. When you compare it, when you compare that to I guess when you think that say maybe well England has done fairly well. Obviously the Premiership is is, a, is the top place for soccer, but the in terms of actual English leadership in in football clubs is relatively small compared to the amount of Scottish. People who risen to the top of, of football clubs, as well as in military positions and industrial positions. I think so many of the of the very rich um, heirs and heiresses in Maiden Chelsea are like the second, the third, or fourth generation of Scottish business companies formed by Scottish businessmen in the in the turn of the, cent- of the last century.
1: Hey, well, like Carnegie was a Scot, wasn't he? And he he did mm-hmm. quite well for himself.
0: I'm told that Tarmac Adam is actually uh was a, the the macadam and tarmac was actually a welsh guy and but i think there was macintosh coats and mcfitties biscuits and and a lot of other kind of uh, massive brand name uh, businesses were started by scottish people but they couldn't give or do that in scotland so often it meant <laughs> because that maybe the opportunities were, were that were were somewhere else and and similarly i think something happened in Kerry that you had like the um, the Sunday Independent being run by Angus Fanning uh, for thirty years or more, and you had uh, a, a significant amount of um, Kerry-born senior counsels and judges. I'm told, if, if I remember correctly, as well as as the heads of other businesses.
1: So wait, wait, wait! You're that service. because, like, there was like Kerry judges and Kerry barristers um, that we got Kerry jokes.
0: No, I'm saying that there's a phenomenon of possibly. Of a a community coming to a big city and doing quite well and being resented.
1: All right. I just thought it was because they were like good at football. Uh, Like Gaelic football.
0: My father's favourite Kerryman joke was how do you recognise a Kerryman at Crook
1: Park? (laughs) I don't know. He's the one holding Sam McGuire. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a simple one. A good one. My favourite one was always um, did you hear the one about the Kerryman who moved to Cork? (laughs) He, no. he lowered lowered the average IQ of both counties. <laughs> that's, <laughs> God, that's a
0: uh, that's a good one, right? That's, that's that's wild. But
1: but I mean, do, do they? Do, they don't. They obviously don't tell Kerryman jokes in Kerry. Do they tell Castle Island jokes or Ventry jokes or or, or Carisivine jokes? They tell Dingle jokes. Do they tell Dingle jokes?
0: Oh yeah, where does the where did the Gary man go when he emigrated? Tingle. <laughs> yeah, but the
1: I don't know why I found that funny. It's not. It's not funny. It's not funny.
0: It's kind of funny. It's but kind there of there is funny. There is. Um, my father was from Najin or Khmer.
1: Oh, Nageen,
0: right? Yeah, and he was, and went, there was a big thing that the Khmer River and isn't a river. Basically, you've got a kind of like an in, you've got a kind of an inlet between kind of uh, more or less in between two peninsulas or two small peninsulas, and it was basically named on uh, named Khmer River so that the local lord could, could get private fishing rights over it because he couldn't you couldn't get private fishing rights over the sea, but you could get over a river, <laughs> and and this is reflected the Irish name you know you think you know what the Irish for a river is, Owen, Owen. But the Irish for Camara River is on River.
1: <laughs> That's well, I'm fantastic. not joking. It's <laughs> their way brilliant. of saying you know, Maria. Yeah. It's, it's a river,
0: yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, is, um, it
1: is in its whole a river. Like yeah.
0: it is in, <laughs> in its whole exactly. And things a lot of this kind of that a lot of that kind of trickery wasn't invented by Kerry people. It was they watched it happening by their um, they watched these kind of. Um, I guess a slate of hand kind of chancery moves, but done by the lords and ladies who were enjoying themselves in Kerry and they were just watching how the kind of trickery that was being behaved around it. it, was, it was that kind of stuff so, was never invented. So wait, there. Wait,
1: wait, you're saying you're saying the, the carryman learned cute whorism from the landed gentry? Yes,
0: from ah, the towns. You go from <laughs> the towns.
1: Have you ever have you ever taken a, a Jarvie ride through um, Killarney?
0: I certainly have.
1: Yeah, and I, I just I love it, like because just the sheer bats, like the unbelievable stories. I remember sitting in a cart and the Jarvie was taking us around uh, Killarney and all he was doing, he told, for two hours, he just told us stories of mad and funny shit that other Jarvies had done. <laughs> Most of it involved playing tricks on tourists. Like,
0: <laughs> mm, I'd say so. God, yeah, um, but the But um, I do remember that another story my father used to tell was there was... Um, that the lo- again a local thing. It was the Earl or the Lord of Kymair, uh was a
1: Lord tor- Kinmare, That bastard.
0: Yeah, exactly. And one of the things was he would like to whenever a uh, I guess a, a, a carry person who had any any bit of land at all was well, well, passed on, he'd try and challenge their will. He'd try and make out that the person was crazy and that their will couldn't stand and that the property would be in, would be intestate and then it could be bought at. At, at, at a discount price while, it was, while this is going on or when, when eventually the family would be in a bad way. Just as a, as a, as a mark of standard practice, we just challenge these challenge these wills based on the fact that he said the, the person who wrote them was crazy and uh, had had issues. And one time, it was, a fellow was up in court and he said, as a witness, say, to the will, said, well, do you not think that like a uh, Paddy O'Shaughnessy like, had was was he in sound mind when he wrote as well? He was, was. Do you not think he was ever a bit odd? They say the the they'd get the the lawyer would ask, and he said, "What do you mean? He said, would you ever talk to himself?" He goes, "Well, I wouldn't know because I was never with him when he's on his own." <laughs> and at this point, the uh, Lord Khmer punched punched his fist through his top hat and stormed out of the room. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's um, um, I look, uh, Kerry's Kerry's fantastic. Like I I love the um the the cute heroism. You know the way it's become like enshrined in the character. Uh, and mm. and it, it's it's uh, look, I have just got so much time for Kundahiri the kingdom. Like it's just one of my favourite places on earth. It's absolutely magnificent. And I really really hope they get their dolphin back.
0: Hmm. I hope so too. What is Dublin? We have to explain what Dublin is.
1: The Dublin podcast is an eternally pregnant woman. Um, I mean, I've been pregnant three times. Yeah, but you've been pregnant since I met you. Right, okay. Hanging out with a neurotic middle-aged toddler mm-hmm. and the way that those two people from very opposing sides of the... Um, world cedar see the, see the world around them is that it's that that's a good it. explanation well, of that's it? a very good explanation uh, you can listen on spotify you can listen on itunes you can listen on the headstuff podcast network we're on the headstuff podcast network Show your doblan podcast up your ear holes
0: halloween is approaching and you know we we often talk about various irish halloween traditions and customs and we talk about bobbing for apples and you know the Help the Halloween party and all, all these things and see the the, the the that's the, the, the and the, the All Souls Day but one ca- one Irish Halloween tradition that doesn't get it mentioned but uh, kind of institution is the Carryman newspaper has children's ghost stories or
1: children's spooky stories Yeah the Carryman, absolutely class uh, actually every year they um, although I believe this year they're not doing stories you were telling me it's something different
0: so I was in touch with uh with the columnist uh, with um from with the Kerman, uh, ty Evans great guy and he said that actually it's a it's a poetry competition they're doing this year but there is a a long treasury of the of the stories spooky stories for kids by kids in the carryman's collection and i'm I'm certain that their that their poetry competition will also be brilliant, and i if we have any little younger listeners I definitely encourage them to go for that it's uh in the, in the Carryman, Man, great thing. But so I thought. Before, we haven't seen those poems yet. What we have seen is the some of the ghost stories or four kids by kids from previous years. Yeah, in you know, English, August Oscar, Oscar
1: Elga. Oscar my my one of my favourite ghost stories ever was um, was in the Carryman and it was the winner of uh, uh, the age eight to ten uh, ghost story competition in two thousand and sixteen. Uh, okay, and. Yeah, it was so it was written by um a young a young man from uh Tra, uh and it is a ghost story entitled on on Donald Trump. Oh. You to give us a blast of there, Potter? Ooh, give, give me a spooky uh a spooky Ooh. vibe. There we go. So, the old Taukhan Uchteron Verica Erschul Clinton versus Trump of Egesht. The Nismo voti Trump against Marshall Vuigshe and Taukhan. On Eheshin Dyrig Nasidori Marva in Arlington on Marv Marzambe Dirig JFK George Washington against Abraham Lincoln on a Marav Homa. Hudder Higg Teague Ban, Margareth Trump in a Hola hmm. and Son. Is Stach Log to Trump against Norahanuk Trumpid near Gleishair Nagardi. Ni rev armegger er churnishgila in a chri thiem kri er V Derelesh aga'se boss On Rod Dernock a Yen Trump boss a oil na on Kanapa Daruk inaka a laba of roo vwwa a tree tosha egg trump. That's a horrific ghost story. A horrific ghost story about how, first of all, bear in mind this was written in advance of the 2016 election so this was kind of predictive that Trump Mm. won the election and then the dead soldiers in Arlington National Military Cemetery rose up as zombies. JFK, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln rose from the dead as well. They went into the White House, they burst into Trump's bedroom and just as he had a heart attack from the fright, he hit the (laughs) red button and started World War III. Uh, Now the story goes on and it does Mm. feature... um, Hillary Clinton as a secret vampire. So it is a wild ride. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, the winner of the Carryman Ghost Story, age eight to ten, four years ago. And very, very topical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very topical. One of my favorites, and this is a very short one. It's from it's in the age seven category and it was a few, from a few years back from a student in Castle Drum National School. Amy walked over. She knocked on the door. It sucked Amy in. Her blood came out. She turned into a zombie. Blood went everywhere. Amy's mum and dad were worried. <laughs> is that it? That's it.
1: Oh my God, that is bone chilling.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic work by that, that young student there.
1: Oh my and goodness, that is just... That's, that's like some M. Night Shyamalan stuff right there. That's incredible.
0: It's the last line Is the is, the, is oh. the icing on the cake. Oh yeah.
1: I mean that's just oh my god that's just so real. Ooh. I love ghost stories. A, I love ghost stories when they give you that chill.
0: Definitely it's a um it's a great shock to see. Um, but the so do uh, hopefully we can um, we will be um, before Halloween is out, we will be uh, sharing more of the Carryman uh, ghost stories from days of yore on the Irish Foreign Motherfuckler Twitter accounts. And and when, when we hear about the poetry competition through, i will certainly like to bring those to attention because it is one of the Halloween traditions that doesn't get mentioned as much as bobbing for apples and finding a stone or a coin in your barnbrack.
1: You know what my favourite story about the Carryman is? Go tell. It's actually it's not it's not even a story. It's a Meholmerhartik quote. Oh, um, yeah, he was um, he was commentating on a match, and, and uh, I'll try and I'll try and give this I'll try and do this justice. And Brian Dora's is down injured and while he is, I'll tell you a little story. I was in Times Square in New York last week and I was missing the championship back home. So I approached a newsstand and I said, I suppose you wouldn't have the Kerry Man, would you? To which the Egyptian behind the counter turned to me and he said, do you want the North Kerry edition or the South Kerry edition? <laughs> he had both, so I bought both. And Dora's is back on his feet.
0: Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> no, it's, um... But
1: segueing from from the Kerry Man to, to ghost stories in general... Um,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What are there any ghost stories in your neck of the woods?
0: Well, last year I told a, a story that got some reaction about um, about Sarah Curran's sister, Gert, um, Gertie Curran, uh, Gertrude Curran. And after I shared that ghost story, we got some feedback. Some people saying that you know maybe was my ghost story like ver- verified by Snopes and so forth. And you know <laughs> they, they they generally aren't. They're 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 ghost stories. You know it's um it's yeah it's it's probably. Rathfarnham's most very uh, best ghost story because it involves a ghost throwing chamber pots at British soldiers and it's just great
1: and that, That's the content it, we all love to see It,
0: it is and it, it's touching that you know sometimes you do see um the ghost of old uh, Phil Potkern and his daughter holding hands sometimes in the, in, the, in the half light of an evening in the autumn but that's Rathfarnham that's whereas now I have moved to the other side of the city and what I have is a ghost story from Swords ooh now, ooh. now you might think Swords yes That's, it's that place with the airport it's like it's Ireland's answer to Stain's Middlesex and
1: <laughs> I don't think that at all Swords I'm, is lovely
0: I think I think Swords is lovely and I think Swords has many charms my um my is mother-in-law does co- not co- by is Swords
1: the, is the cock still open these days?
0: You know, um, I, I just think, eh, on one level, it. Eh, I think it's just it's too easy naming a pub the cock. Uh, is it just it creates too many opportunities for low humor. Like, um,
1: I yes, don't the, the, know what you're talking about. I'm referring <laughs> exclusively to the Cock Tavern, that wonderful establishment yeah. on the main street of Swords. Get you know, your everyone, mind, get your mind out of the gutter.
0: Lots of lots of people from who who've lived in Swords for years, they're mad for the cock. They love it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a fine tavern and certainly it's better than the weather spoons across the road.
1: Go on, you have a ghost story. I'm not getting into that.
0: So here is a ghost story from Swords. Some people around this locality believe that the sandry domain is haunted. One legend, legend is told like this on the main road to Swords, there is an entrance called the Black Gate which is now closed up. On certain nights, a large black dog carrying heavy chains runs under the gate and across the park and disappears through the railing on Santry Avenue. Some people say they've seen this dog and they've heard the rattling of his chains. Other people say that noises can be heard inside the wall of Santry Avenue at night, although nothing can be seen. It is said to be a funeral or dead coach. And if anyone happened to be on the wall, at this particular time, they would be thrown off. Ooh! Ooh. So that's the story. That's a story from Spooky Spooky Swords.
1: That's gas. Um, yeah. Do we have a sort of a similar one out in Clondalkin where I'm from? Oh. There was, um, yeah, there there was a. Uh, um, so there was a uh, uh, big house. Here in in what's currently Corker Park, it was a big house called um, Newland's House, um, and it was occupied by uh, Viscount Kilwarden, Lord Kilwarden, as as he was better known. And um, he was a bit of a bollocks, basically. Sorry, mm. pardon my French. Um, there was uh, during Robert Emmet's Rising in eighteen o three. There was a um, there was a, an attempt. There was a plot. On the life of Lord Kilwarden, so a man by the name of Colonel John Finley uh, sent for Lord Kilwarden and pleaded with him not to travel into um, uh, Dublin City. You know, saying, "Please don't. The the rebels are are going to try and kill you." Um, but Lord Kilwarden decided that you know he uh, he was not going to he was not going to listen. Uh, to, to, to this sort of nonsense and he wasn't going to he certainly wasn't going to be cowed by a bunch of common rebels so he decided mm. to get into his coach and four and go into Dublin as usual uh, proceeded as intended accompanied by his daughter Elizabeth and his nephew the Reverend Richard, the Reverend Richard Wolfe uh, they left the Cork estate by the by the back entrance and headed off for Dublin Castle and on the way in of course they were ambushed by the rebels and they were killed to death with pikes Um mm violently <laughs> um, so the, the daughter Elizabeth escaped with her life uh, she raised the alarm but Lord Kilwarden and his nephew were killed and to this day as you go around what would have been the front drive to Newland's house up at the back end of Cork Domain on a cold and moonless night sometimes you can hear the clip-clop and the rattly wheels of a coach and four and some people have even claimed to have seen it the bells kill Warden on his way to meet his death again and again and again interminably.
0: <laughs> that can't be much fun. But I suppose Sarah <laughs> isn't right. Good enough for him. Good enough for him. Absolutely. More than, more
1: than good enough for him. And, and the moral of the story is if, if somebody tells you that there's a big bunch of rebels waiting to kill you just stay inside. Lash on Netflix. Order a pizza. Don't Don't go. Don't just say, Oh, Brexit
0: means Brexit and charge on. <laughs> i
1: want gonna Brexit means Brexit this. <laughs> yep.
0: God, yeah, it does seem that way.
1: There's another so, there's another um there's another ghost story for the same area, the same part of Glendauken. Um and it's uh, so during the Easter Rising, um there was a a, a soldier, a British soldier, uh, stationed there, although he was he was from uh, Clondalkin. He was from one of the cl- major Clondalkin families. Uh, his name was Gerald Colley and he was a major in the British Army. Uh, and he was uh, he was he was stationed in Dublin Castle, and his wife lived on the Cork Estate. Uh, and on the day before Easter, the major telephoned his wife. He said, "There's a bit of trouble brewing. Um, we have a feeling something's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, so just stay home and stay safe." Uh, so on Easter Monday anyway the Rising took place as we all know and the the Major's wife uh, went along with a friend up the road up the Belgarde road towards Talat to get a view of Dublin where she could watch the buildings being burned and the bridges being set ablaze. Uh, and meanwhile her, her sister-in-law Uh, Edith Colley, uh, was walking with her husband through Cork Estate and they heard a marching band playing and the sound of tramping marching feet uh, heading down the Nace Road and through the rear gate of Corka Domain and up to the house. So they ran back to find out um, what was going on. Nobody had, you know nobody had announced that there was a marching band coming. So they went back and they found the entire staff gathered outside the front of the house. Everyone had heard the band. They all thought that someone was on their way to attack Corka, but then the music had stopped and there was nothing to be seen. And then later that day, the telegram came through. Major Collie had been shot.
0: Ooh. Ooh. I like that.
1: Yeah. That's so if you hear a marching band, just... Get Netflix, stay indoors, just order a pizza. Don't do it. Just don't yeah, do
0: it. Don't don't yeah, don't 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 be take. Don't be t- taking any unnecessary journeys on tre- <laughs> treacherous ghosty nights. and <laughs> <laughs> stuff.
1: Oh, man. I'll tell you what, though. Halloween is going to be different, isn't it? Halloween's it's going to, be, going to different.
0: be different in lockdown. And I know, I mean, my my, my two children were really looking forward to going trick-or-treating and it's probably not going to go ahead. In fact, it would be... I can't see how it could. I mean, the entire idea of just, you know, of handing candy out and children visiting every single house, it's just... Uh, it can't end well. So, but that they are going to get dressed up. And for they're going to get dressed up and we'll get some photographs and we'll get, we'll find a way to do some stuff at home to some of those. I've got a, I've got a a top tip for you.
1: Oh? Top, top tip for you is get them dressed up and let them knock on every door in the house, inside the house. Go from room to room. And then when they knock, they say trick or treat and you open the door and you throw eggs at them because this is your house. (laughs) Trick.
0: (laughs) Definitely. That's 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 not a bad idea. We'll see how it pans out. We we'll just see how it pans out. But
1: <laughs> sorry, I just, I just have a horror, horrible feeling of this, this recording being used in your divorce proceedings. So you go. That's not a bad idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, but no, the, the knocking part is a nice idea. That I'll be, I'll be, I can be dressed up as a different spooky creature each time. There was yeah. a um, an interesting contribution uh, over the week on on Twitter by our very good friend in Belgium, Selkies, Selkies uh, Louise, the artist. And she said something which I thought was awfully interesting. She basically said that, does the word, she put this she put this better than, than I, I'm just going to quote her directly. Do you think spooky comes from pooky? More importantly, do you think we could get away with claiming it? Now this is a little kind of maybe dig or jibe at the fact. That sometimes, whenever someone claims that an English word might possibly have an Irish root, there is a um, a, a, a a posse of, of of self-appointed etymologists gets straight on the case saying, No, 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 absolutely not. It, it comes from something else, and <laughs> it's funny because. Um, I mean, I know I means maybe some of the listeners of the show. You know, I mean, I'm sure they're they're constructive members of society in their other activities. But like, it's so, just so fun to watch that vein their forehead go bum ba bum bum and you know, um, you, I'd like to think at this point they know that we're all like goading them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I'm one of those I'm one of those amateur etymologists. I just every fibre of my being just wants to roar out, No, it comes from the Dutch um yes, but, it, it's, but, but but it is close enough that we 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 could, you know, we could mess around a bit and claim it. Like we could. Yeah.
0: I think it's it's funny because I think it you know, generally speaking, like so with with Irish words. And, and their English equivalents, there's um, there's 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 so many things you don't always get that, that a trail as where we're, and there's always a chance it could have come from a Scottish or one of the other kind of um, Celtic Gaelic languages and but around Halloween as you get you you will get the Celtic druids, um, Celtic feminist witch druids invented Halloween in their matriarchal um paradise. And it's just very, very funny kind of watching uh, some of the academics get get hot under the collar about this because I'm I'm sure no one <laughs> believes it. I think, I mean, Ireland has longstanding Halloween traditions that that probably did exist in different parts of Europe. They lasted longer here, and we were very conscious uh, that they were now, they were big in Ireland.
1: They were big in Ireland uh, now, in a way that, hold on, pardon? hold on. I'm gonna oh? I'm gonna have to interrupt you there. Right, Go okay. On. Right, so trick-or-treating may be yeah. an Irish tradition and we certainly passed it off to our emigrant populations who brought it to the States and it's come back in its very Americanized form. So yeah. it's unrecognisable from what it used to be. But, but, but I will submit my learned friend, Exhibit A, the bonfire. The bonfire is probably a Halloween tradition unchanged in Ireland for many centuries. Yeah. Lighten a fire to scare away evil spirits, that is that's as old as time, and we're still doing it. We're, now we're lighting fires to scare away the cops, but <laughs> it's it's still they're still you know it's the same theory, same theory in principle. I think that's 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 as old as the hills, and you don't need to to retrofit it to anything that like you want ancient Celtic Ireland Maria to be. Yeah. Well, it's I, there, and it's still cool.
0: It is, and I, I know a big thing was for most of our lifetimes. Like Halloween wasn't a very big thing in England, but Guy Fawkes Day was. And they had, that's when they had their fireworks and that's when they had all their kind of other popular things. So, whereas Halloween has kind of caught on more recently there, whereas our, it was Halloween had a head start in Ireland, modern Halloween had a head start in Ireland. And, but I think in terms of claiming any, any traditions to have a long standing ancient root, you know, I mean, like you see. Like, like I think someone was saying that uh, that t- tomatoes in Italy were only being e- eaten as long as they, the, the Guinness company already existed when people were, when tomatoes were added to bolognese sauce for the first time. Like Guinness is actually older than tomato-based bolognese.
1: A proper bolognese doesn't have any. Uh, well, it, it has a few tomatoes in it, but just for taste. It's mm-hmm. not a tomato-based sauce. Like the the late great Paolo Tullio had a brilliant bolognese recipe and he hated the kind of, the, the, the one you buy in the shops, the mm-hmm. the bolognese sauce. A proper bolognese is half veal, half pork, bit of garlic, a uh, few carrots grated finely for sweetness and a few herbs, salt and pepper. But it's a meat sauce. Mm. It's a meat sauce and it sticks to your pasta and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's not that sweet red spag ball that we talk about. Yeah, so like, yeah. Mm. We can invent. We can invent traditions.
0: Yeah, <laughs> let's, we, we can let's make but, it all up. <laughs> but I guess so much of when we think of, we, we guess traditions, either in um in Italian or French cooking, like I think I think it, snails again, the yeah, eating snails, dripping garlic butter, was um is actually relatively recent in France. It doesn't go all the way back to like Joan, Joan of Arc wasn't eating snails and frogs legs. They these these were things that people had to resort to as part of a famine, and then they realized, oh, these are, this is a great way to to deliver garlic. Mm. <laughs> the
1: like Romans the Romans ate snails. Yeah. Like, like Pliny, Pliny says the Romans ate snails but I mean look Joan of Arc Joan of Arc was a peasant. Mm. She was lucky to get bread like Joan of Arc was eating eating like horse meat and hay. <laughs> she was a soldier and a peasant.
0: Mm-hmm. So yes she um, there's um. And this is the thing that at some point there's, like, there's a lot of situations where we remember where a peasant food becomes a delicacy and vice versa. And you do see that, like how caviar is a delicacy. But in Sweden, they actually buy caviar in, in like big toothpaste tubes and they just squirt that stuff on their toast in the morning. Nice. Yeah. But so, And do you think like... And, you,
1: ov- you obviously have a taste for caviar. I mean, it's not, wouldn't be my thing.
0: Uh, caviar wouldn't, it wouldn't be the first thing I'd go for but I mean it does have a nice smack to it I suppose but it wouldn't be the first thing I suppose the like lobster was I think I, when we had Anton and Pauline uh, Anton Pioch and Pauline and, and we talked about how lobster was was considered peasant food before it became a delicacy and it's, it's bleeding delicious though yeah it's absolutely it's magic and a great place to get lobster is uh, we, should, we should do
1: a spin-off we should do a spin-off podcast just you mm-hmm. and me caviar versus coddle
0: well, like, you know what we should do, and what I'm thinking of uh, is um, we were talking. I was talking about barnbrack um, this week on the internet, and someone suggested one of our one of our listeners suggested a bread and butter pudding made of barnbrack.
1: All right, yeah, I'd eat that. I am I'm,
0: I'm going to make that.
1: Did you Did you have barnbrack when 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 you were growing up? Oh, go every year. Uh, and what did you have in it? Was it only the ring, or was there all sorts of?
0: Only the ring, although my mom right. did want to, but the thing is there was like, keep the button and the thimble and stuff, like the, the view is those were, those, some, some of the things were gendered and you know, unnecessary, like what happens if a boy gets the thimble or a girl gets the
1: button. I, I, I don't know. What does the thimble a, and the button a, a, mean?
0: <laughs> basically a thimble means that the the girl who got the thimble would be doomed to the hard work of a spinster and a boy got a button that meant he was um, going to have the vain life of a bachelor
1: Jesus the button, yeah the, the button was it's vanity a, it's a bit patriarchal isn't it
0: <laughs> and whereas yeah and then there was um, and then there was a stick mm. for being lame and there was a stone for being poor and a coin for being rich and I think there was a cloth as well
1: hang on was there, was there any feckin bread in this yoke at all how much? Is, how much can you possibly bake into one loaf of Bambrack
0: This, well, this is back in the days we've had like ten or eleven kids. Like nowadays, it's it's <laughs> ring, ring or bust. Ring or bust. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's going to be your the brand of your Bambrack
0: <laughs> And like, you know, what, what if, say, the the baker, well, like one of their earrings falls in when they're making a brack, and someone goes, "Oh, I got an earring." What does that mean? You know, does it mean like I'm going to be a punk? Yeah, and it's
1: it's traditional. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna lose an ear in an agricultural accident. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's if you get a little um, if you get a little uh, like horseshoe representing a smith, that means you're gonna get cancelled. Yeah,
1: yeah, topical.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) or something else. What do you think should go in a modern (laughs) brack? Do let us know and do send us a voice note because we are preparing a, a mailbag episode. Um which we, we would like to bring out before the end of the year. But rather than us just reading out your emails, we would love to get some voice notes. Our phone number is in the in the show notes here. We would love to play them and discuss them on. We'd like to hear your voice. We got such a huge, lovely, touching response to our Peg series episode, especially the montage at the end when listeners contributed their own thoughts about Peg. We would love to get your own thoughts on other things we discussed on the show. Be it the letter V, e, be it Devil Arrow or Yates and his his um Yates and his dating disasters, uh do send us in a little voice note, voice note about something that's that's
1: I want to hear I want to hear your your favourite your favourite Irish ghost stories.
0: We want to hear your favourite Irish ghost stories. In fact, if you get some of those in, we might even have time to get them in for a Halloween episode.
1: Yeah, and by the way, spooky isn't doesn't come from Irish, but Barnbrack does. It comes from Bory and Brack. Which is the Irish for a speckled loaf? <laughs> so there you go. Put that oh. in your brack and and. Uh,
0: do you have three? Do you have three sources for that? And do you I've, have, mo- you, multiple, have, you, multiple, have multiple. you ruled out? Have you ruled out all the uh, other potential meanings that are gonna come?
1: Literally, from? literally ruled out all the other languages. Yeah, I and a Celtic druid told me, so it's um it's okay, it's legit, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kosher. <laughs>
0: god yeah there's a there's a wonderful thought so on that note we will look forward to catching up with you next week for our Halloween episode but in the meantime it's a salon from me and it's a salon wamsha mind yourselves <laughs>
1: Hey, thanks a million for listening to today's show. We just want to say thanks a million to Brian for producing and to Kirsten Chil for the amazing artwork. Motherfolklore is a product of the Headstuff Podcast Network and comes out every Friday. You can get your feedback to us uh, at Motherfolklore at headstuff.org or don't forget to send us a special Halloween voice note in, to the WhatsApp number in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you in advance of Iehawna.
0: So we got a response from a listener in respect of our recent episode, Nothing rhymes a Month,
1: Almost. Almost nothing.
0: Almost nothing rhymes a month. And yes, a listener noted that the Padre and I were speaking about the Monster Mash in the context of works of art that describe their own making. And I mentioned I'd seen this word written down, but I never actually heard it in spoken conversation. And Ante decided to pop in with his two cents.
1: Hi, Derek. Uh, so regarding the word, it's pojumenon, and I guess that in English would be pojumenon, like phenomenon. And the word means that which is being made, that which makes itself, or that what, uh, that what is making something for itself.
0: And... Just just so we don't have to take Ante's word for it, Nicholas also got in touch to uh, confirm the pronunciation of this word. Pumenon.
1: Pumenon. Da, 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 da.
0: Pumenon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Dante and Nicholas, for getting in touch. Uh, we really appreciate it, uh, our listeners, are the absolute heartbeat of the show.
1: I, I reckon Piumenon is probably my favourite type of existentialist postmodernism.
0: Yes. <laughs> <It's> my <laughs> um,
1: Of all the types
0: of existential postmodernism that are out right there, um, I definitely do prefer to um, to defensive irony. <laughs> when someone says, oh, I was only being ironic once they realize they once they read the room after they said what they've said.
1: Yeah, I don't like that one.
0: Nah, I've, like, never, I I've never liked, liked that
1: one. If <laughs> I ever liked that one before, I was only being ironic.
0: Oh, grrr. Cr- <laughs> The Motherfucker Podcast is made possible by the generous support of listeners who support the show and Patreon. If you've been listening to Season 3 from the, from the start, the first season where we've been recording at home instead of in the Head Stuff podcast studios, you will have noticed that the sound quality of episodes and the, the, the level of production has improved. Oh, as, as the episode has gone on, this is because we've been able to get ourselves better equipment with the support from Patreon supporters, better microphones and able to get more editing done we would like to continue to do this we would like to continue to actually improve the products that we bring to you every friday as well as making bonus content when we can and a discord server available for people who want to chat about the episode with other listeners and other benefits including discounts on kirsten shields artwork we're also hoping that if we continue to get more support we'll be able to provide transcripts of some episodes that's not something we can we can do for free, unfortunately, but it is something we, we we would love to be able to bring to you for accessibility reasons, for learners, for all sorts of things. So patreon.com forward slash dark. Hugely appreciative of any support we
1: get. Does Fungi have a Patreon? Or or does Fungi have a Patreon?
0: Um I don't know if he has a Patreon <laughs> or something, but I do know that um he <laughs> I, I do know that he he responds well to the thoughts you're sending out and hopefully he will <laughs> splash splash upon our shores again soon. No, not splash upon our shores, splash upon our waves.
1: Soon. <laughs> no, don't Jeez. come onto to the fucking show.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> shore. Yeah, it is. Hopefully I, would, uh, I would, 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 would
1: also like to I'd also like to deny all the rumors that this level 5 lockdown is just so that we have time to build robo fungi.
0: It's not. We
1: Good night, That's it. We're done. Good night. So long
0: and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all but oh dear. You may not share our intellect. Which might explain your disrespect. For all the natural wonders that grow around you. So long, so long, so long, so long, so long.
1: So long. So long, so long, so long.
0: This has been a production of the Headstuff
1: Podcast Network. I'll do what I do and then you listen to that and then do the Patreon thing.